Welcome. As I'm watching uh, people come in, uh, I just saw uh, Catherine's face pop up and I looked over and I saw John Copeman and uh, there's Trudy and various people I'm mentioning from the UK because as you come in, I was suddenly, I just had a spontaneous memory of standing in the back of the Zindo in Switzerland in early morning and bowing as each person stepped into the Zindo, we bow to each other. And I feel like that's kind of what happens as you, as each face pops on, and people are bowing, welcoming. And we would do that early um, in order to sit. So, so let's sit for just a few minutes. During this brief time of sitting, I would recommend <clears throat> that you simply attend very warmly and kindly to your breath. There's no need to manipulate it, but actually notice in some intimate detail, gently, in a relaxed way the breathing that your body's doing on its own. As a place to rest your awareness. And as you allow yourself to be close to your breath, which is always close to you, you might also notice some sensations in your body, places of ease or pleasure or maybe some difficulty or a sensation of displeasure. And just allow your breath to move there. Just simply breathing. And equally with thoughts, 
if they come, allow them to ride on the breath, just attending to the breathing. Without attaching to them or pushing them away, just resting the inhalations and exhalations, attentive to your body, sensation of breathing. If you have some difficulty with your breath, then just breathe with that difficulty gently, touching it lightly. And knowing there are so many people breathing with you, this larger breath of life, We're literally taking in the entire universe as we breathe and giving ourselves back as we breathe out in embodied communion. Just simply breathing. Wherever you find yourself, notice that your breath is still right there. And by attending, it's just a gentle way of realizing your home. Your breath is always with you as long as you're alive. What if everywhere was home? And using your breath to have a voice, we can invite the diverse of the robe. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching 
I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Almost every time I uh, chant um, the verse of the robe, I want to start teaching on the verse of the robe because it includes everything. And it includes much of what I want to reflect on today as I make an offering uh, to you. Uh, and I'm going to continue um, in our weaving uh, each, each week kind of bridge. It, it, it's kind of nice. Um, I went back through some of my notes and things that I spoke about last week, and um, I realized I'd written, I'd written this, and I think spoke it to you. It says, "Awakening is a shift in perspective, without denying anything, including everything, and the ability to respond, improvise, and move, unhindered." along with the unending flow, which is this incomprehensible contingency we call everyday life. So where in this moment do we cling to our views? It's just a little abstract in some ways, but it was a way of um, expressing some of the inspiration that I was feeling of what I was speaking about, what I had uh, reflecting on from what Josh had spoken about. And then, as often happens, um, well, the, the question that was left with me, I guess, that I was reflecting on is, so what happens when we soften our clinging? What happens when we dishabituate ourselves from the ways we uh, very automatically meet the world? And then the, the grace and gift that I often experience, and I've mentioned this to you before, things started coming to me. Uh, messages from uh, friends and uh, teaching partners and students. And, and so they helped me along. And so as I sat with that question, what happens when we soften our clinging? and dishabituate ourselves from the ways we uh, ordinarily and automatically meet the world. Um, I'm going to mention three of those gifts that I received. Uh, the first one was from um, my, my long, long time teaching partner, Donna Martin. Uh, um, a message not from emptiness, from, but from British Columbia. That came, <laughs> um, arriving literally as I sat down to write these notes, a few notes, uh, an email popped up and I looked, oh, Donna. And uh, so I'm going to say a few things about that. And then last week, after inquiry, I had received an email from um, Steve from Tulsa, Oklahoma, who had come forward an inquiry. And that arrived in my in inbox. I'll, I'll share some of what he offered. And then the third was from uh, our wonderful um, tech person, uh, Bex, who um, supports us at Open Door, and of course is a very active and wonderful student there as well. So these are the three bodhisattvas I'll be um, reflecting on as I attempt to meet my question, what happens when we soften our clinging and dishabituate ourselves from the ways we automatically meet the world? Um, and, you know, I've said this a lot of times, but if you want to know what I'm practicing with, just listen to what I talk about in inquiry. <laughs> what else am I going to talk about? You know, it's always the same teachings. But So 
uh, we'll start with the message that came or a little bit of the message um, so thank you donna for uh, because she sent several emails which she called her musings which i love because uh, obviously she was thinking about these things and, and practicing um and she, and like often happens um you you guys would love to be a fly on the wall i think when we get together because as soon as we start talking we start going in all these directions making connections and and she was musing about of course hakomi which is part of her foundational practice um and assisted self-discovery and mindfulness it's, its functionality and the way that she's cultivating this uh, even more deeply and powerfully embodied practice of soma yoga she calls it and she was also including some musings on um, internal family systems and multiplicity so this was part of our conversation but here's some of her words when she was thinking about this capacity to dishabituate to step back she wrote, it reminds me of the spiritual teachings of Ramana Maharshi and Nisargadatta Maharaj. So parenthetically, some of you know these teachers as um, Advaita Vedanta teachers from, from India. They were quite wonderful, non-dual teachers. And by the way, the last time Peg and I went to visit Joko back um, prior to her death, this is what she was reading. She was she was studying the Sargadatta specifically. So Donna said, it reminds me of these spiritual teachers. And she said, those guys for whom the key question and inquiry is, who am I? Or sometimes they would write, what is this? Who, who am I? What is this? And she continued, she said, there are no true answers except not that. You know, everything that that you attempt to use to describe. And she said, I think the IFS model offers that possibility, you know, offers a way to unblend her. And she said, I think in Hakomi, as I understand it, we can do this as well. Differentiate, differentiate delusional ideas about who we are from something more essential, right? Differentiate delusional ideas about who we are from something more essential. Not that we can know it as something, which can be described, but I think we can know it as an embodied experience. And that's a crucial, crucial thing. We don't, we don't substitute this idea of who I am for like a better idea of who I am, which is spiritual. It's going further. And she, she wrote some more things which were lovely about distinctions between psychotherapy and spiritual practice. And some of the things that she had read in Eckhart Tolle about this and but then the, the phrase that really caught me, she said, um, there's a difference between getting to know a lot about oneself, but not really knowing oneself. Do you hear that difference? Getting to know about oneself, but not knowing oneself. And she continued by saying that Hakomi as assisted self-discovery has this potential, knowing self versus knowing about self. Although perhaps knowing about can be a precursor to actual self-discovery, which is, is true, I think. Because she said, what do you think? Well, I think she's right about that. Um, the very famous quote from Jack Engler, uh, who just passed this year, past year actually, and from Harvard, he, a famous quote of um, you have to be somebody before you can be nobody. And we have to understand what this is before we can step further. So I've, I, you know, I've often, when she asked that question, what do you think? I've often, um, and, and this is a whole nother retreat I'm about to make a thumbnail of. <laughs> I've often thought that the skills of a homie allow us to explore the first two of the Buddha's Four Noble Truths really, really well. Uh, the reality of of what's happening in the moment, dukkha, and how we respond and react to it, which is samudaya, the second noble truth, how we lean in, lean away. Because in assisted self-discovery, we begin to see how we organize ourselves in response to the world and to others and to what we carry inside. Dukkha, samudaya. And then IFS, I'm making a false distinction here just for the moment. And then IFS provides a container and skillful methodology to hold what we discover. 
So the third truth about uh, Neroda uh, containment and working with each part along with a release and a path of that release, which is the Eightfold Path, you know, this would be an entire course, but you, you see these two skillful means that we use help us begin to bridge getting to know a lot about oneself and then getting to know ourselves more deeply. Then secondly, Steve, after last week meeting an inquiry, because I'm still living with this question about what, how, how do we dishabituate ourselves, how do we soften? Steve sent me a quotation from Zen master Baswi. Some of you know, those, those of you that are interested in these uh, Zen things. Um, Baswi Tokusho was, um, he, he was, was trained in, in uh, Soto and Rinzai Zen. He's primarily a Rinzai master. And he lived from 1327 to 1387. So about 100 years after Dogen. And in part of his teachings is a section called Question Your Mind. And I'm going to read some of this. This is classical kind of language. So it's um, Donna was taking us from these, um, the links between a really foundational non-dual thinking and everyday practical ways of working with how we soften ourselves. Here's an, an old classical Zen reflection. Baswi says, if you want to avoid the suffering of life and death, sound like a good idea, you must know the way to Buddhahood this very moment. The way to Buddhahood is to realize your own mind. Your own mind is the original face before the birth of your parents, consequently before your birth. It is the original nature of all beings that has remained unchanged up to the present. This mind is originally pure. It was not born with this body and does not die with this extinction. What's more, it cannot be distinguished as male or female or shaped as good or bad. It is beyond any comparison. So we call it Buddha nature. Vinny spoke some about Zazen. I'm not going to read that part. But he spoke about letting go and opening to what is. But here's what really caught my attention. Baswi says, when this inquiry, when this inquiry feels insurmountable, and you are unable to understand anything, when you've exhausted all ideas and don't know where to turn, you are proceeding correctly. Don't let yourself fall back at this time. As you pursue this inquiry more deeply, your piercing doubts will penetrate to the depths and you will no longer question the fact that your mind is a Buddha. And you should realize that all the names of the Bodhisattvas are just names for the nature of your mind. And then he talked about how the Buddha would use names for the Bodhisattvas, but they were just ways to point to the truth. Baswi says, ordinary people, unaware of this truth, become attached to the names in hopes of attaining Buddhahood. But seek the Buddha and Dharma outside their minds. He said, it's like cooking sand in the hopes of producing rice. <laughs> One of those funny kind of old Chinese sayings. So, you know, I think what he's saying, and, and this is something you could study a lot more of, I know, there's nothing missing like now here with you there's nothing missing there's nothing hidden i sound like i'm describing the uk sanghas here there's nothing special about the inquiry speaking about it leads us to a place full of doubt because we come to the end of the way we think and the ground of conventional concepts begins to fall away and you find yourself at the end of your small personal world but it's right at that edge that the fullness of the universe opens to you. 
And like he said, it's inconceivable, but it can be fully embodied, as Donna mentioned. Nothing of your personality, all of your really good qualities and your skills and your talents are relevant to what's being pointed toward right in this. It has nothing to do with that, this mind. And yet all of those good things flow from and return to this mind. The mind of awakening is outside of conditions, but manifests in response to all conditions. But I want to also sidestep here for a moment. Because as I was reading this and sitting with it, I realized there's a little bit of a problem with using the term my mind or your mind. Because when you use a personal possessive pronoun linked to something with a name, my mind, and then you add verbs which suggest personal action leading to a result like realize your own mind, this is karmic activity not freedom or liberation. You see what I mean? You're using a possessive pronoun for something you can't have and talking about my mind as if there was some place it could reside. But, you know, it's the best we can do with, with language. So when you read, uh, when I read earlier, your own mind is the original face before the birth of your parents. It's the original mind original nature of all beings that has remained unchanged up to the present, you know that your thoughts, your feelings, your perceptions, your ideas, your concepts, all the things that you think of as your mind, all those things are changing all the time. And they mature and they shift and they age <laughs> and they fade. They respond to conditions and create more conditions endlessly. What's the original face. They were here before your parents, the original nature of all things. This is not your personal mental consciousness, my mind. But also it cannot be separated from your whole body consciousness, can it? How else would it be realized? So this is, this is where Baswi and, and Donna are inviting us. And then he mentions that thing about you can pursue it more, more deeply, this inquiry. And you can no longer question after a fact that your mind that you think is this is actually Buddha. So our inquiry here isn't sorting things out intellectually. We're not, you know, solving the problems of a difficult life or getting the right answers and finally knowing the truth. It's, it's this path of piercing doubt, which just means infinite kind of curiosity and unfolding, not answering your questions, but questioning your answers. And the question of whether or not you are Buddha or have Buddha nature, that begins to be not so relevant. Because you no longer question that reality. But this not questioning isn't associated with certainty, like, okay, now I got it. It's a non-questioning. That's Nisargadatta and Ramana Maharshi, which moves along with mystery and awe, the embodied inconceivable, manifesting as your everyday life. That's your mind. And this is why we let go of all manipulation when we sit in Zaza, because we we stop enacting and maintaining the conditions of thought and feeling in which we've placed our faith. If I can just get it right. And open to this vast space, like you did with your breath, of Buddha's mind, from which all these thoughts and feelings arise. And so when we can abandon trying to improve and create what is uncreated, and we say in the Bodhisattva Vow, what's unsurpassable in Buddha's way, we can finally rest in the natural state which is just this mind, this body, this breath, this life, as it is. And I sort of af afterward, Donna sent me um, a small piece that Leonard Cohen had written 
about how Zazen seemed to be healing his spirit. I'd never seen this before. Um, I, I knew about his practice, but I'd never seen this piece of writing. So here, here's what uh, Cohen said. He said, meditation is not what you think. <laughs> you sit in absolute silence and your mind starts going through all your movies. During that process, you become so familiar with the scripts you keep in your life that you end up getting fed up with them. Then you realize that the person you think you are is nothing but a complicated script you spend most of your energy on. After a thorough examination, you discover that your personality disgusts you. <laughs> and that's because it's not really you. If you feel intimidated enough by that personality, you spontaneously allow it to fade away. And then if you're lucky, you can experience yourself without the distortion of that personality. And that's what's happening. That's the end of what he said. And that's what's happening actually now. You actually hold the key to this transformation for yourself and for other people. I was listening to a talk by Tony Packer. <clears throat> Some of you might, might know, she was a wonderful teacher where she was passionately talking about how schools and lineages are not all that important, uh, at least the names, you know, identifying this or that. She said, what's crucial, this is the important point, what's crucial are people keeping this practice this truth alive, this simple, energizing and liberating path alive, because it invariably fades or loses its vitality and then someone revives it. This is what you're doing. This is actually your responsibility. That's what we're doing. And if you may know this in your own life, but I was reminded of it most intimately by, by Bex, our, like I said, our, what she started out being a, a tech assistant for our retreats in Madison and much, much more than that, of course. And she's with us here today too. So a couple of weeks ago when we finished uh, or during the retreat, I received a note in the box that I have with little notes that people send to me. Um, because she said she was a bit shy about offering this in the group. And then, then later we did, and I have her permission to do it today. <clears throat> so of all the things I've said about opening to dishabituate, to soften our attachment to our views, to not just learn about ourselves, but to find out who we are, to follow Master Baswi to the end of inquiry where we can actually step beyond and find some confidence in our nature as Buddha. I opened this little piece of paper in her writing. It said, thank you all. She was speaking about the group for helping me remember something I feel like I once knew. There is no lost. The word becomes meaningless when everywhere is home and you're always exactly where you need to be. In realizing this, I feel invited to dance along my edges to transform my fear into curiosity of the unknown. And I will never be the same. It's so clear and so elegant as simple as a breath and as life-giving. Thank you for helping me remember something I feel like I once knew. I, I know a lot of you have this experience, like you're remembering something. And then she makes that powerful statement, there is no loss, the, the word becomes meaningless when everywhere is home. And you're always exactly where you need to be. And in realizing this, I feel invited to dance along my edges. That's self-discovery and mindfulness to transform my fear into curiosity of the unknown. That's the transformation. And I will never be the same, and you will never be the same, and nothing is ever the same.
So your review, back to our original question, my original question, what happens when we soften clinging to our views? Donna reminded me, you, you keep asking, who am I? And you don't find answers. You know yourself, you know about yourself deeply, but then you can actually know yourself as Buddha, going deeper, 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 skillfully. And then Steve reminded me with Vasily's words, when you come to the end, and there's nowhere else to step, you no longer question that your mind is Buddha. And all those names of the Bodhisattvas are just names of your, your own heart and mind. And Baxter reminded me that everywhere is home as we dance along the edges, transforming fear into curiosity. That <clears throat> quote that you're sick of, that I use all the time because I like it so much, from Stephen Mitchell, <clears throat> where he says it's not all that hard to get enlightened. What's difficult is to keep giving up our sense of the world so the world can come to us on its own terms with this vast, pitiless, loving intelligence. We return to the simplest things with an immense recognition and gratitude. It's not all that hard to get enlightened. This is Donna's message. This is what we're doing. This is what to wake up, to notice, to pay attention to our breath, to assist each other in waking up. What's difficult is to keep giving up our sense of the world so the world can come to us on its own terms. This vast, pitiless, loving intelligence is what Basui is inviting us to do, what Steve was saying he could see in that, even what Leonard Cohen was talking about. We return to the simplest things with an immense recognition and gratitude. That's Beck's message. What if everywhere is home? And just our last encouragement, a very brief poem, which all of you know, um, but I couldn't leave it out <clears throat> because of Bex's indication that the word lost doesn't, has no meaning if you, if everywhere is home. And how in the natural world, we, we allow the world to come to us, as Stephen Mitchell says. So this is Lost by David Wagner. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen, it answers, I have made a place for you. If you leave it, you may come back again saying, here, no two trees are the same to Raven, no two branches are the same to Wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. What if, what if everywhere was home? <clears throat> so I want to thank my friends and teachers and colleagues and all the people who offered me things and all of you do at various times. <clears throat> and, and really it all started because of the, the beautiful offering that Bex made and then everything kind of connected from there. So what's on your mind now? What does it bring forward? that you want to engage with? Is there some way in which you might want to soften your views to open, to dance on this edge where fear opens to curiosity? <clears throat> okay, we'll see. <clears throat> go back where we started then. It's like Donna raised her hand. Is that an accident, Donna, or is that for real? I saw it pop up and then it went away. I'm trying to unmute myself. Yeah, no, um, no. It, I, want, I, I just love to share something that happened uh, this morning earlier before, before this. 
uh, I was working with a young man and all these, all these thoughts and feelings and uh, this awareness that you and I've been sharing and that have been sitting with me um, were really present as he was uh, telling me about a lot of different reactions and conf internal conflicts and difficulties. And, and I didn't do Hakomi in any recognizable way, but I kept, you know, kind of pointing at the, the parts or the reactive behaviors, the habituations that were showing up. And, you know, and I could see him, I could, I could sense him um, kind of energetically uh, locating in some awareness of them that wasn't any of them. Yes, and I kept, yes. I kept uh, kind of contacting that. And, and something really lovely happened that felt really meaningful to me because he, he began to move into an embodied experience that wasn't any of those habituations. And you know what he did? I mean, I could just feel this incredible peace, but he started to do this. And I could energetically, I, I, I knew it wasn't a collapse. It was a bow. Oh, oh my gosh. And it, it was, was a, and he didn't know what was happening. And he kept going, hmm, hmm. So he was m moving into this immense curiosity. And, and he used the word surrender. Yes, yes. And he had no he he you, I could tell there was he had no understanding of it. It was just a pure embodied experience. It was it was so lovely. I just wanted to tell you about that. <laughs> so inspiring and beautiful. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and in a, a beautiful manifestation in the everyday world of exactly what all these all these words try to point to. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And and uh, really, uh, <clears throat> you know, unexpected uh, by either of us. Um, but for me, it it just was the it was the embodiment of, of everything that we were talking about. So yeah. how it comes unbidden when yeah. other things fall away. It's not about mm -hmm. adding anything or getting anything, which you mm -hmm. would say. Mm -hmm. Not that. Not that. Unbidden. Yeah. Not that. Yeah. Yes. And it reveals itself through your body and in the present moment. It's amazing. That's so yeah. gorgeous. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your teaching and your friendship. <clears throat> One of the things that I enjoy among many things is sometimes when I will share something that someone has offered to me or that, that I found inspiring, I, I try to see as many of the faces as I can, and I can see people assenting or responding in some way. It's nice. Sue? <clears throat> there you go. You got it. Okay. Thank you. Well, this was all very very touching and, and I thank you for it. And even before you started, you were having us just have our breath. And I use that a lot. And sometimes I use various ways of my breath, but today I just kind of let it go. And then whenever I'm <clears throat> meditating, well, there's this deep belief that I can't stay with it anyway, but I'll go through the motions. And if I sit real still, if I'm with people, nobody knows, because you told us that once. And so I was sitting there and then you said, if you have thoughts, just let them attach to the breath. Just rest and on the breath rest on the breath and go. And so, you know, I had a thought right there, of course. And so I let it attach. 
And all of a sudden, everything just went like <sighs> these claws kind of came out from it. And it was just shaking and saying, I don't want to do this. And I just felt kind of like, <sighs> so I just took a little half step back to give it some room. And then I just kind of joined it. I just thought, oh, this is hard for you, sorry. But I didn't give it away. I just did that. And then all of a sudden it was all gone. Yeah. It was like, I just, I mean, my thought was, where'd you go? What happened to you? Did something change or not? I don't know, but oh, that was some real experience. And it's interesting that the word that you had in your mind was attach when I'd say rest, because that part was in some way, I'm assuming, afraid of surrendering, like Donna talked about. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm afraid. And, but that part of you that could step back, you said you step back, half step back, is the part that she's talking about that could notice and not be. Yeah. And you realize, oh, it's just afraid. <laughs> and that capacity where you meet some difficulty with not just some other manipulative personal thing, but with Buddha's mind and heart is transformative. And you that was your experience also. Well, it really was. And everything else, you know, the poem that you read, everything just sort of fit. <laughs> You know, I just thought it just kept being like this. It all just fit right in. It was all part of it. <laughs> that was my hope. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was so strong that I thought, well, it's nobody else wants to know that. But I thought, no, just just okay. You can just say it. No, actually, it, it's it's very, very useful. It, uh, and you're, you're prompting me because there's when I was reading the Basui stuff, because it's kind of tough, you know, there's a line that I didn't read. And I'll tell you the line I didn't read. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was useful at the time. It might, uh, let me find it here. Um, the, the three line paragraph was, don't let yourself fall back at this time. That's like when you don't know where you're going, you reach the end, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you pursue this inquiry more deeply, your piercing doubts will penetrate to the depth. depth. So I read that. Uh, what I didn't read was ripping through the bottom And, and you will no longer question the fact that your mind is Buddha. Because it's, it sounds a little bit violent to me, of course, that language. But so was my experience. <laughs> yes, but it says that there's something about that, that it can be met. And yes, the bottom falls out, but it's not awful. It's like in the Shinshin Ming where it says, um, suddenly you're... Um, you can trust the universe completely with nothing left to hold on to. <laughs> it's a very different. Well, and part of what, I mean, it can be, I can imagine it being just horrifying and awful, but yes. because I've been working with you and working with the Sangha, I have a lot to support me, not just the, I mean, including the people, but a lot of teachings, a lot of thoughts, a lot of readings. And so instead of feeling like I was going to fly through that bottom, I, I felt held. No, that's right. And you have two other things that you didn't mention in your list of all those good things. Your Tai Chi. Oh, yeah. Which is the embodied practice. Yes, it is. And your age. Oh, yes, that's embodied too, isn't it? <laughs> and it's yeah. part of the wisdom too. Yes, it is. You've decided it as, you know, and having <laughs> lost a sibling, you know, this is all, it comes closer. It does, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Mm. Thank you. We have Rosemary next.
Hi, Flint, and thank you to you and to your collaborators for yes. <laughs> weaving all of that together. Um, so it's kind of relieving to me this um, hearing about stepping back from what you know about yourself to um, who you are or you might who you might be and um, because I can see that it's so easy for me I've become a great troubleshooter in my life and you know so figuring out Zen and um, what is this life and who am I in this new mm -hmm. place um, can just become a rollover from yeah yeah just use the old strategies and plus you and I both were trained for years in psychotherapy and practice it so we have a certain perspective that is uh, very very useful but it has but it reaches a limit at, at this stage and that's we were asked to step off from that edge. Yeah, and it, it um, so there's this dance because um, I am, you know, with all my years of being in therapy and being a therapist, you know, thought I'm pretty much new, not really. And um, lots of other dimensions about myself come forward and then stepping back from those parts like uh, Donna was saying and and then um, listening uh, to them. Um, Res respecting them. Respecting, yes. And I've, I've been reading Thich Nhat Hanh's um, Nomad No Lotus, and he's very much on the understand, you know, be, cultivate your understanding. And, you know, compassion is like a, that's like a big thing. But if you start with like understanding, being understanding about these things, at least empathic, even if you're not. Yeah, yeah. It's, That's part of what Sue was talking about and Donna's clients. Yes, very much so with the, Sue's response to uh, that, that clinging reaction. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good place to start, but also knowing that there's this unknown, this, you know, so it's just, I, I appreciate it because it, it relieves me of having, of thinking I have to figure everything out. Yeah, the quote in which that distinction was made between learning more about yourself and knowing who you are, uh, that I, I extracted that from what Donna was talking about because she was listening to some things from Eckhart Tolle and he said, this is what happens in psychotherapy, especially in psychoanalysis. He happened to use, you know, that we do start to learn an immense amount of things about ourselves and which is quite useful and probably necessary, uh, even if you're gonna, step beyond like Engler said you have to be something you have to understand yourself before you can step beyond not to leave to turn back like Sue did to hold what's there and then things naturally flow in a different way it's like oh I was home from the beginning but it took practice to realize it Thank I think you. that's one of the reasons it's so easy for you to tear up at times yeah, I'm shocked that I haven't. We could probably look at each other another 30 seconds and it would probably. <laughs> yeah, because of this sort of remembering of, oh, I was always okay and now I'm letting myself know it. Yeah. Thank you, Rosemary. Thanks. Hey, Cass. Hi. Um, I feel like I understand what you're talking about. Um, been listening to me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and every once in a while, I'll have like, you know, microsecond touches. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but the predominance of what I notice is the immediate distraction of daydreaming, mind wandering, invitations of a really small part that wants to be, you know, something other than this small part. Um, how do you know that? I, I I asked the backward question of what 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 is the reasoning behind that coming up? Even before that, you just said you notice. 
the distract if you notice the distractions see don is laughing now <laughs> the one who's noticing is distracted is it caught it's always with you it's always on your side always as close as your breath the habituation is to notice your distractions even have some judgment about it have some worry about it and so why is it that i feel the furthest away to the thing that is most intimate well dear that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question isn't it for all of us yeah that's the main question and that you ask that question suggests that you practice that question doesn't go away it doesn't get solved that's the that's the that's the entry gate yeah and and you notice it even more when you turn toward another person and feel called to meet them yeah yeah because you're not thinking about yourself so much i see it in what you offer for example the books you make and the way you pull together things for the sangha it's so visible it manifests um i uh you know having taught at laguna gloria you know i i work with adults and uh the place that i notice it is in all the conversations that they tell me about with an elementary school art teacher that crushed their artistic uh the natural yeah yeah so um every time i hear one of those stories i'm so attuned to offering healing to that to that and to let them know that that was just a bad teacher not not that they were a bad artist or don't have an ability or an access to something that I think that we're all born with. Right. And that's the appropriate and effective and compassionate and skillful communication. Who's doing it? No, not me. Yeah. And it's natural as the bow that Donna d described. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. In fact, if you could, you would, if you thought it would make any difference, you would bow to them because that's how you feel. Absolutely. It, It'd be yeah. weird socially, but you know, that's the right. feeling. All right. All right. Mm -hmm. So we smile and sometimes we give them a hug and that has to do. And I give them different and different information. So at least they can have two stories. At least they have another one to put next to the other one. Yeah. And that begins the softening. It's like a solvent. It's also like those chemicals in the old days. So, so yeah, yeah. And the you know image starts to appear, yeah. Because but it requires the chemicals, it requires the reaction, yeah. And and you are the the Buddha, you are the Bodhisattvas. That's the chemicals. Hmm. Well, then I choose to be sodium thiosulfate. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the Bodhisattva. That's your Bodhisattva name, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that. Uh, that's what let it be seen in the light. That was the fixer. Ah, yeah, that's right. What is what is your Buddha name? Oh, I'd have my uh, true heart, luminous mirror, true heart, right? Yeah. Luminous mirror. Luminous mirror, true heart. Yeah, that's right. So you're the luminous mirror, which allows other people to know their true heart too. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks, man. And so that we um, remind ourselves of the the practice principles that support everything we've talked about. We voice, you're caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment 
life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Flint. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for being here and um, sharing all these teachings together. It's so invaluable for us all. So thank you so much. And if you'd like to offer Diana to Flint, then please do go to appamada.org and you'll find a place to contribute there. And please do put in the box who you'd like your contribution to go to. Thank you all so much. And if you'd like to continue the conversation that Flint's begun, please do join myself and others on the porch for a further 30 minutes. Just stay where you are, pop yourself into gallery view, and I'll be with you very shortly. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody.